Good evening. We're going to look at something tonight that I think really talks about humility. And there is practicing humility, and then there is being humbled. And I prefer the former before the latter because I've experienced both. I've experienced times where I've just practiced humility, and I've, I've noticed how things always work a lot better than trying to be proud and haughty and then brought down to your knees for certain experiences. And the reason I bring that up is we're going to look tonight at Acts chapter 17, verse 10 to verse 12. We're going to talk about a noble mind. And we're going to look at a congregation, the Bereans, who I think put humility, practiced humility before they would be humble. And I bring that up because in whether it's youth ministry, whether it's in my profession of teaching, whatever it may be, it's good to look at how other people do things and think, hey, they do that better than me. I should practice that. That's being humble. And, and the Bereans, I think, teach us that. It's a congregation to look at that, that can tell us and can show us uh, sort of a mirror, if you will, hey, how are they doing that? What are they doing? And how can we take some things from them and learn it and apply it to us individually and maybe as a congregation. But when we think about, uh, first of all, the Bereans, and this map sort of shows you a little bit um, about how Paul got into, or the places, I should say. He's in Troas, Paul is, and Tony touched on this. He's in Troas, and a, and a man from Macedonia comes and says, hey, come and help us. And they go, and they end up at Philippi. And from Philippi, they go to Thessalonica. And from Thessalonica, they go into Berea. And it's in Berea that we read a lot of things about that congregation. So if you're not open there, please open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. And let's study what has to be stated, or what the Holy Spirit states. As we look at chapter 17, verse 10 again, Kev did a good job of reading. Let's go back and look at verse 10. It states, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Okay, they're having to leave. They're having to flee from Thessalonica into Berea. But as we read that section, we read that one verse, it's always good to stop and put first things first. And you know, if you study the Bible and, and with any... Uh, uh, accuracy and, and, and depth into it, you understand that Paul was the type of guy who didn't back down from a fight. And on more than one occasion, we read in the scriptures how Paul was ushered out of a city, escorted out of a city, meaning he was ready to stay. And one of the first things we need to think about as we read this, it's okay to retreat sometimes. From a military standpoint, it's sometimes it's good to retreat. Would we be the United States of America if George Washington hadn't retreated several times? If he tried, if he just stayed where he was at and tried to fight, he would have been demolished. His army would be gone. Would we be speaking English? Would we be one country? Would we be scattered into several countries? I don't know, but I know part of Washington's, General Washington's strategy was to retreat. Stay on the run to stay alive to fight another day. Here's just two examples in Damascus and Iconium where Paul did that. Again, if you read those sections, 
Acts 9 and Acts 14, he's really being escorted out. He wants to stay and fight, but cooler heads prevail and say, Paul, get out. So sometimes it's good. We have retreats with our youth group just to, just to get away from everything and just to get our minds refocused, and it's good to do that every once in a while. The second thing is Paul stayed with the program. I believe I'm right on this in my research, but as we're studying Acts for the Bible Bowl and all the times I've taught Acts, I believe every time Paul went into a city, the first thing he looked for was a synagogue. The first place he went was to the Jews. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 1, around verse 16, he talked about the power of the gospel, uh, how it was the power of God to salvation. The gospel was to the Jew first, and then to the Greek, then to the Gentile. He always went for the Jews first, but it wasn't just exclusive to them. He brought it out. It was to everybody. Paul preached to the Gentiles too, so it was to everybody. So he stayed with the program. Sometimes it's good to retreat, but he stayed true to what his mission was. That's preaching the gospel to anybody he could. Now look at verse 11. In Berea, it states, These were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And you read a passage like that, you almost have to stop and think. And we have visitors here from other congregations. You might think this about your congregation. We should think it about ours. Are we that way? Individually speaking and as a congregation-wise, are we that way? And that's what I'm stating. Uh, We need to be humble enough to realize if we're not, we need to change. So they talk about this. They were more noble-minded. Noble meaning from nobility, meaning royalty. It's not that they were sitting on thrones. It's not that they were higher than anybody. They practiced the nobility of character. Their character was right. And there's three things about this nobility of character I want to look at. And the first one is, they received the word with all readiness. If you would admit it, we're all prejudiced. Our minds are biased. At the middle school, when I teach, I've asked the kids before, uh, later on in the year, do y'all think I'm biased? No, no, no. no. They're attaching, but they they attach bias to racism, being a racist. I said, I'm not biased. When we talked about religion, you don't know what religion I am? Oh, yeah, you're Christian. Do you know where I go to church? Oh, yeah. And you're telling me I'm not biased? We talk about Judaism, talk about Islam, talk about Hinduism. Well, maybe you are. (laughs) When we talk about government, do you know where I stand on government issues? Yeah. (laughs) I'm biased. I've slanted a certain way. All of us are. But here's the thing with the Bereans. They didn't let that stop them from having an open mind and openly thinking about what they were being told. That's the difference. The prejudice, the bias did not close their minds. They kept open minds. Would you go with me to Acts chapter 28? The latter part of the chapter, the latter part of the book, the latter part of the journey, and Paul is in Rome. He's in house arrest, if you will. He calls in the Jews. He calls in the rulers. I want you to notice how this episode ends. Let's begin with verse 23 of Acts 28. The Scripture reads, So when they had appointed him a day, the Jews had appointed Paul a day, 
Many came to him at his lodging to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed, they left after Paul said this. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing, you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing, you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Those Jews, at least the majority of them, were clo- they already had their mind made up, and they were not going to change it. The door was locked, and they were not going to let any new thought or idea come in. They were prejudiced that way. And we need to be careful about that. You know, when, when James brings up this passage about be, I'm using the NIV section, to be quick to listen and then slow to speak. Hopefully you'll be slow to wrath. But be quick to first hear what somebody's saying and then be slow to say it or come back or with your rebuttal. But listen first and listen carefully. The proverb has put it this way. Incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Give ear to wisdom. Listen to it. And then apply what needs to be applied and use it. So that's one way I think we can look at the, no, the nobility and the char- of character of the Bereans. A second thing is they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's an interesting passage. They were Bible students. They opened their scrolls and they looked at the Old Testament. They looked at the scriptures. They were Bible students. We have, if I may say, an epidemic in the church. I can't talk about every congregation, but I am going to talk about ours, and it scares me. Literally, seriously, scares me. When I sit in a Bible class with middle schoolers, and I sit in a Bible class with high schoolers, and we talk about something I told them to read during that week, and I start asking very simple questions, and they just look at me with a blank stare. I admit it, maybe I am boring. But where's the study? I asked the kids this morning, could you tell me the plan of salvation? I didn't ask them to, but I said, in your mind, could you tell me? And I saw some kids like looking down, looking around. But I'm not getting on the kids. I'm not getting on to the kids. And I'm putting myself in this. We, moms and dads, are failing our kids. They're not studying. And I see it. I see it. I see the concrete evidence. I don't, I, they're not studying. And it goes back to home. It goes back to me not teaching Emma like I should. And it goes back to you not teaching like you should. When kids don't bring their Bible, and I harp on this constantly, 
Bring your Bible to worship. Bring your Bible to Bible class, and they don't? Mom and Dad, how come they're not? Moms and Dad, here, how come that's not happening? And I can see they're not studying the show. This is not a, oh, you can do it if you want to. This is a command. Study to show yourself approved to God, a word that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't study this, how can you rightly divide? How do you know right from wrong? Parents, again, I'm looking in the mirror. This is on me too. We need to do a better job making sure our kids not just bring their Bible, not just, not just window dressing, but are actually opening them up and studying them. The Bereans did that. They understood how vitally important the Scriptures were. Would you turn to Psalm 19 with me, please? This is one of the best commentaries on the Bible itself. Psalm 19, beginning with verse 7. It states, the psalmist states, The law of the Lord is perfect. Complete, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. How do you know about the fear of the Lord? You read about it in the Bible. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by this law, by the Scriptures, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is a great reward. It is vital, parents, that we teach our kids, and it's never too late to start teaching them This is important. This is the stepping stone to becoming a Christian, how to live as a Christian, and how to get to heaven. If we don't study it, will heaven be our home? And can we help other people? But also in this, search the Scriptures daily. The Bereans did this. They were not just passive listeners. They didn't hear the message and then think, all right. they, they're not hearing this sermon. They think, okay, that's good enough. I'm not going to look anything up. That's not the way we practice. Christianity is not a passive religion. It's a doing religion. And the Bereans, and this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul, the man who was before at the feet of Gamaliel, who got the best training in the Old Testament law anybody could have gotten in his day. He knew it. And he's telling them, and the Bereans are like, okay. All right? Let's, Paul, we're going to see if this adds up. We're going to see how this is, is, this is adding up. What was Paul telling them? If you look in chapter 17, Paul is in Thessalonica, I understand, but I guarantee he's probably doing the same thing in Berea and everywhere he went when he found a synagogue and went into the Jews. In chapter 17, beginning with verse 2, it states, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths, notice, Reason with them from the Scriptures, the scrolls, the Old Testament, the Torah, however you want to say it. And he's reading the Scriptures, reasoning with them, verse 3, explaining and demonstrating, openly 
alleging, proving that the Christ had to suffer, had to rise again from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. So he's telling the Bereans this. Also, I'm, I'm confident. And the Bereans saying, okay, they're listening to it. And the Bereans say, okay, I'm going to go back and see if this is true. And they go back and look, and what happens? Did it all add up? Had the Old Testament, Paul's preaching, the branch are, and talking about Jesus and how he fulfilled it. Brands investigate, bring it all together, and the brands find out, man, that fits just like a glove. That fits perfectly. And that's what the Bereans did. And the third thing that as, a, as part of their nobility of character, many of them believe. And that's Jew and Gentile. Many of them in that city believed. In Thessalonica, just prior to this, they did not. That's why he got escorted out of the city. Matter of fact, if you keep reading verse 13 of chapter 17, those from Thessalonica come and start wreaking havoc on him and the people there. And he has to leave Berea. But many of them believed. This is, not, this is a quote I found. This is not original with me, but it says, The child and the fool believes without evidence. And you know that's true. We can trick our... I'm a jokester. I probably joke around too much. I like practical jokes. Uh, I remember one time when I worked at a company. I might have told this before. Finley Industries out in Morrison a long time ago. Uh, I was a material manager. We ran out some material to making car seats. And it just got short a little bit. And I said, I can't remember who it was. I know this is me. I said, hey, pal... uh, why don't you go up to the maintenance office and get our uh, material stretcher? You can't stretch material if you haven't figured that out. Uh, that was me. That was a joke. And we laughed about it, I'm sure. Oh, he may have got mad. I can't remember. But anyway, that, it, it, was, it was a practical joke. And maybe I shouldn't have done it. But he didn't even ask. He didn't even think. He didn't ask, okay, where's it at? What's it look like? He just... He just <laughs> went off to the maintenance shop to look for it. I, I remember who it is now. I'm not going to say. Um, our kids, we can, you know, we can mess around with our kids and, and fool them sometimes. They won't even ask. Kids are so trusting. All right? And that's the fun stuff. There's also the sick stuff. Because there's some sick individuals who does sick things to our children just to trick them by tricking them. Hey, come into the van. I've got something for you. Oh, you lose your mama? Come on, I'll show you where she's at. All right? And, and without any, without maybe kids even asking, they just follow. And how dangerous is that? The child in the fool, fool believes without even looking at evidence. That's not the Bereans. That's not them. They listened to what Paul and Silas and others were saying. They investigated. And here's the key. They allowed the evidence to take them to their logical conclusion. And many believed. Many believed. That word believe, though, let's talk about that just for a second. We talked about that in our Bible class this morning. What does that mean when it says just believe? Does that mean, okay, I mentally understand there's a God, and I mentally mentally believe that Jesus is the Christ, therefore I'm saved? Is that it? The Bible doesn't, the Scriptures does not bear that out. We know what Jesus said, and He's all authority. And we know what the apostles said, but he passed that authority on to them, to them on this earth. And what did they teach? That word believe there is what called a synecdoche, a part for the whole. And I'm confident in that. 
but other Bible passages that we can look at. The Bible is very clear. Yeah, you've got to believe, obviously. You've got to have faith. You have to. But how do you get faith? Either you study it or somebody teaches you and talks to you about it. Here's how you believe. Here's how you get faith. So you have to hear the gospel. You have to hear the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised from the dead and is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You have to hear that and other things. When, when John the Baptist began his ministry, ushering in, paving the way for the Christ, what's one of the first things he began to say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came into the scene and he began his open ministry, what did he say? What's one of the first things we read? He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When the church began in Acts chapter 2, and the, and the apostles stood up and gave this great sermon. Then the, the Jews of that day said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What's the very first word that came out of Peter's mouth? Repent. To have a penitent heart, to understand where I am, and to turn away from it and walk away. That's a very elementary way of looking at it, but to change, to change who we are, to repent. That's Bible. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, that if you will confess me, and I'm going to paraphrase it, if you will confess me before men on this earth, I'll be your advocate. I'll be your mediator between you and my Father. But if you're not going to confess me on this earth, don't expect that I'm going to say a word about you. And we can think about the, the confession that, that the Ethiopian eunuch made in Acts chapter 8 around verse 37. Confessing that name is very vital. And then we know baptism is. We know that baptism puts us in contact, if you will, with the blood of Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's symbolic of his death, his burial, and resurrection. And I can go on and on and on. Jesus commanded it. And he has all authority. And his apostles commanded it. And they had authority on earth after Jesus left. It's a commandment, and that's what it means. To believe. When the, when the Bereans believed, they heard the gospel, they repented of their sins, they confessed Jesus as the Christ and were baptized for their sins. We think about the Bereans and we look at their example, this great Berean example that they had. And uh, they had that noble care, that nobility of character, that royalty of character. They had that inner strength to do the right thing. They didn't clog their mind with their biases and their prejudices. They kept it open, at least, to hear what Paul... What if they, what if they had not done that? They probably wouldn't have been saved. They probably wouldn't have investigated. But they kept an open mind. They were outstanding Bible students. They didn't take anything at face value. Somebody told them something, and they investigated it. They looked. They trusted, yet verified. They were willing to listen to what somebody was going to say, but they didn't take it again at face value. They looked. They opened their scrolls and they looked to see if it was true. And the most important thing is, as they are doing that, and here's the, humble, here's the humbling part. As they did that, as they searched, as they investigated, as the evidence is leading them, 
They're not kicking the evidence out of the way. They're not trying to stop the evidence. They're just letting the evidence lead them on this path, this journey, and at its logical end, logical conclusion, many, Jew and Gentile, many obeyed the gospel. And many were set free. Many people who in Judaism, that chain was broken, that bondage was broken, and they were free to worship God through Jesus. Many broke away from paganism and idol worship and began to worship the true God of heaven through Jesus of Nazareth. So as we end this lesson, now thank you for your patience. Everybody's ready for Tuesday, I'm sure. Or, or tomorrow. Think about your soul first. Think about the greatest gift that's ever been given. And accept that gift. That's the greatest gift. There's nothing better. You're going to get under a tree than the gift that Jesus Christ gives us. And if you need him tonight even and want to talk about something, you've got that opportunity as together we stand and sing.